be answered when the line is available. Welcome into Gotta Take This here on WR Lexington. I'm Crawford Humphreys. He is Cole Heisner. This is our second to last show. Kind of, uh, kind of hard to believe. We'll have one more show running next week, same time, same place during our uh, finals week here at WNL. But kind of crazy, you know. We started this back uh, last fall, fall semester. Um, I think we're gonna get up to what, like twenty something episodes by the time this is all said and done, which I is pretty so. good. Balancing this with with everything else going on in our lives, but man, it's been a run, and we have a, a very exciting show to talk about, um, and a lot of good stuff coming up. And we'll begin with. The beatdown that unfolded in Indy, not Indy last night yeah. uh, with Baylor just steamrolling Gonzaga. The Zags' perfect season is done, the and they continue to, to fall into the pattern of being the bridesmaid but never the bride, and never being able to, to close the deal. Um, it looked like they had a lot of momentum coming up to that UCLA game. And I want to touch on that UCLA game because so many the announcers last night kept talking in the first half about how they were emotionally drained from that game. If you're drained from the previous game, it's going to show up in late in the second half. It's going to show up in crunch time when you've been playing for close to 40 minutes of basketball. It's not going to show up within the first like two minutes when everyone has adrenaline and it's the national title game. You know, I think that excuse was just terrible. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that was, you know, for a, a team who really was a great college basketball team, um, you know, even though they didn't lose, they were one of the best teams in recent memory. You know, they had three All-Americans, um, you know, lost one game. I mean... That's uh, you can't really say enough about Gonzaga what they did this season without winning the title. But that is a good point. I mean, the only thing I would say is I understand that that's that was the high point of their season. You know, they'd only played one game that even like was under single digits. You yes. know, um, so I feel like for them that was their high point, and it's hard coming into the title game after that feeling like we already peaked emotionally. Um, and I think that could be partly why they just got too into the, you know, we got to do our thing. And they didn't have that excitement, that fire that, you know, Baylor been blowing teams out coming into this for the most part. Um, you know, they blew out Houston in the, you know, final four semifinal. And they're coming into this game and they're like, this is going to be our peak. We're gearing up for our emotional or, you know, just just we're fired up for this. Gonzaga had used a lot of their fire. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I think a lot of people would agree that on paper, Gonzaga was the better team. 100%. Um, yeah, 100%. Baylor just played hard. They played really hard. They made shots. Everyone was dialed in. And almost immediately, like, I, I don't think there was a second of that game that you felt like Gonzaga was ever in charge or, you know, was coming back or anything like that. I, I love the post-play. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I grew up watching DVDs of Michael Jordan and all this stuff. I love post-play. I love, like, the vintage style of basketball from the, the 70s, 80s, 90s. And that was a grind last night. It was kind of reminiscent of like what just watching an O line and a D line go at each other for an entire football game because that's really what it was. And it was um, physical, a lot of contact, but Baylor really outmanned Gonzaga down low. Yeah. And they did it on the perimeter for sure. And I think everyone kind of expected that coming in given their speed and, and how quickly they moved the ball um, right. and, and how quickly they were able to switch and run their motion offense. But man, they were they were hammering Gonzaga down low. Yeah, I think, what was the, the Charles Barkley quote at one point after the game where he was like, uh, Baylor does have a weight room. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, and just outsized Gonzaga. And, and yeah. like you were you talking about earlier, you know, Jalen Suggs, I think this really showed him. And, you know, even Kispert and, and Timmy, you know, those guys really need to bulk up a little bit yeah. if they want to make the league. And Timmy's a guy that I want to talk about a little bit more. Because I was watching him last night, and given his size and everything, just where do you think he fits in in like an NBA style roster? I feel like he's just not big enough to play down low in the NBA, and I don't know how well he could do just playing perimeter ball given his skill set. 
Yeah, to be honest, I I mean, I don't really see him as an NBA player. No. You know, back in like the 80s, um, he could have grown into like a Kevin McHale type, you know, when it was, you know, hardcore post-basketball. He would have put on a lot of muscle, you know, I don't know how long his arms are, but McHale had really broad shoulders, really long arms. Um, Timmy just, I don't think he has the frame, the strength, and the shooting ability. You know, if he had one of those things, it would make a lot of sense because his touch is so good around the rim. Uh, his feeling of leverage in the post, which is such an important thing for players to understand. And it's even hard to pick up on television, but it's just, you know, feeling where guys' weight's going, just making a slight movement. Um, Timmy's so good at the little things, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, going into the NBA, just he's going to be bodied up um, and he's not able to stretch the floor. So I, that's exactly the point I was going to make. He's yeah. 6'10, so he's not going to wow you with size uh, or at least height. And when it comes to shooting, you know, that's the way the NBA has progressed. You need a big man that can shoot shoot the three. Right. And I just don't know where he would fit. And I think Suggs is going to be, yeah. has the potential to be a star. And especially if he, he falls under the radar this year, you know, because all the, all the hype will most certainly be around Cade Cunningham. Um, and I think there are a couple of guys coming out of the, the G League, right? Jalen, Jalen Green. Or Jalen Green. McHugh's and, uh, already, Jalen McHugh is already in the league. Yeah, and then uh, Jonathan Cuminja. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name because I've never seen yeah. him play. I've never heard his name yeah, called exactly. by exactly. announcers. But yeah, they're both two five-star guys. Uh, obviously, Cunningham and Evan Mobley rounding out the top five with Suggs. Most likely top five. I think that's kind of the mm-hmm. consensus top five. But Suggs did a lot for himself. I mean, you know... Cunningham's been great all season, but I think, you know, um, Suggs showing up and just the, the for the moment like that, I mean, that's one of the biggest shots in tournament history, you yeah, know? It's, it's kind of crazy to think about if the NCAA allowed name, image, likeness, and for players mm. to, to profit off of that, how much money he could have made from that shot. Yeah, that's Probably a good at question. least six figures. Yeah, I had to think. I would say more off yeah. t-shirts, and yeah, mm-hmm. he could probably exactly. sell an, an NFT of it now. <laughs> I'm sure that would go for a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, so... I don't know, but even back to Baylor, you know, I think, I don't know if you watched it on the broadcast, they had that clip of Scott Drew in 2003 when he's taking the job. That was really cool. I didn't know he had been there that long. I know. you got to think, you know, given the Big 12, so many of those teams are cycling out guys. Like, look yeah. at Texas, and, you know, Shaka yeah. Smart takes his team to the tournament, very strong season in the Big 12, he's out of there. And then yeah. Chris Beard's jumping ship from Texas Tech to Texas. I feel like there's so much juggling and so many teams seeking to become an instant powerhouse school, just like yeah. it is in football with you know, the SEC and everyone chasing after Bama. But yeah. that's kind of, it completely blew me away. It caught me off guard that he'd been there that long and had been working for a championship since 03. Yeah, no, I just, really cool. Just him coming in. Baylor was like, you know, not a good program. And for him to really turn it around, I mean, it's like literally an 18-year project. It's incredible. It's insane. Um, another note on Baylor I want to make was that, you know, three of their, I think they say they've got like, what, seven or eight guys who are their starters. You know, mm-hmm. you can only start five, obviously, but they say we've got seven, I think seven guys yeah. who play, you know, um, starters minutes. And three of those seven guys were transfers, which really comes back to what we've been talking about, the trends in college basketball going forward. But Baylor was a perfect example of a team who, like, they're bringing, that was a big part of their team was that they were older, they were wiser, they were stronger. I think the strength you know, was really important. And just the basketball experience, you know. Yeah. It, yeah, they were a really great team. Overlooked all season, so exactly. weirdly, but great yeah. team. No, it's, it's like I said in the last show. I think the, the transfer portal was really the new, I, I would say, honestly, the transfer portal can be more impactful on a program than getting a, a three or four or five-star recruit, yeah. if we're being honest. Um, because you get, like, the, like, like you said, you get a, a junior or a senior potential upperclassman that has three or four years of college basketball experience already, there's no adjustment period between high school and college that you have to worry about or whether kids will translate from high school to college. 
I feel like that just fits into programs so much better, especially if you have the win now kind of thing. Absolutely. You know, if you're blue blood, um, if you're, you know, Kentucky and, uh, you know, UNC Duke, that was their issue is they were reliant way. They, they relied way too heavily on four and five star one and done kids yeah. that don't have college experience, don't have the leadership experience and don't, aren't going to be able to translate that quickly and lead a team to a championship. Yeah. You know, can you imagine if Zion's team with, with RJ Barrett and all of them had like a, a you know, fourth year, fifth year guy, yeah. or, or even two of them, two or three of them. Yeah. That could have been a, a completely different team when you have that sort of leadership. Um, so I think that's, that's very important. And, and, it, and it showed for, for Baylor last night, especially when you think about their big men getting in foul trouble pretty early on and they yeah. had to start cycling. They had to go to the bench pretty early, especially yeah. pretty early in the second half. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. And they never seemed to, to lack in terms of depth. Yeah. No, it was it was extremely impressive. One qualm I have with with Baylor that um is may or may not be based on me betting on Gonzaga multiple times throughout the game because I I don't know trusted the stats like a nerd um, was I I don't know I thought they were so much stronger than Gonzaga um, and they were just playing so much harder that they were fouling occasionally and wasn't being called um, but you know that's also like. It's it's lame to be complaining about fouls in a game like that when a team is doing consistently. Um, you know, it's not like you know they never got called for anything. But really, I think it came down to just. I mean, Baylor. It, it was just. It looked like grown men versus. You know, it's a weird thing to say for guys. Gonzaga. It's that like Suggs is their only freshman getting minutes, so it's not like they're a young team necessarily. But Baylor just. I mean, they just looked more experienced and just stronger. I mean, the strength thing was so apparent. Um, even, you know, Kispert, we talked about earlier, Kispert had a blanket thrown over, you know, he couldn't get a shot off. No, um, not at all. He's a Walmart Joe Harris. In my <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then, you know, Suggs as well, you know, he got a lot of points. Where'd he end up with like 20 points, 21 points, something like that? I think so. That was my prediction. I predicted 20 and 10, but I yeah. thought Bailey would win. And, and I literally did not do any, that was no, there weren't any sabermetrics or analytics about that. I literally just recalled every other time Gonzaga has been disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, late in the tournament and figured that now is not going to be any different, especially with the pressure of a, a perfect season. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you think Gonzaga goes from here? Like, cause this was kind of like the dream team a little bit. Yeah. With Suggs. I mean, my only, like they're going to start getting these five-star recruits, more Suggs. Yes. Um, can they keep this culture of like the great offense experienced players and still have like one or two of these five-star guys who are one and done? Yeah. Or is it going to, I don't know. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, I think it's it's dependent on how many of these guys go to the draft. I mean, do you think Kispert's going to go to the draft? Do you think Timmy's going to go to the draft? I think Kispert is. Okay. What do you think about Timmy, though? though? I, I don't think he should. I don't think... I think the big men especially need more development time. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look up his draft stock real quick because I don't even know. Um, yeah. I mean, unless you're an absolute freak of nature, I, I think that big men need more time in college. I mean, I... I harp on UVA a lot, but Jay Huff was UVA's big man. And he, I think, was in like his fifth or sixth year of college at this point. Yeah. But he's over seven feet tall and he can shoot. And, you know, anyone with that sort of skill set and that height probably would take the chance to go to the league instantly because, you know, it looks good. Um, And there's a lot of room for people who are seven feet and can shoot the ball. But he stayed in college for another two or three years after he got to Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. And that's what helped him. That's what, you know, kind of got him. He got to play in the national championship, gets the uh, the media attention, so on and so forth. I think it's beneficial. And I feel like Timmy can really develop his skill set and get bigger and, and maybe honestly start 
playing more perimeter ball if he wants to. And he's, then, he's only a sophomore, correct? Exactly. Yeah. Grow the NBA skill set. Maybe, you know, have, yeah, have the shot. move the rotation and have, play him at the three sometimes or something like that. Just something to give him um, an advantage that scouts can look at. Because yeah. if I'm an NBA scout and I'm looking at him, he is not on my top choice for a big yeah. man or anything like that. No. I think yeah. he could be a great European player playing overseas for sure. Absolutely. I think he fits that mold perfectly. Yeah. I think people would love him overseas as well. But I just don't see him as a fit in the NBA. But I do think Gonzaga going from here, it depends on how many of these guys are coming back, really. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, it's, I was saying the same thing about UVA in 2019 after they won. No one really thought that the big three of, of Guy and Jerome and Hunter were all going to leave. They figured Hunter would leave, but uh, maybe Guy, but Jerome would stay. And all everyone left. I mean, everyone that was kind of weird. The draft. Exactly. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, when you get that sort of media attention and there's no guarantee you'll be back in that place again, people just go ahead and take it and run with it. Um, and, and I've also thought about them joining a different conference. And the more I think about it, the less likely it seems because they don't have a football team. And I don't think the Pac-12 would accept them without a football team. Since they're such a, you know, I, I, they point. are a, a very equally balanced football and basketball conference, and they love that revenue. And I don't think anyone is going to take a school that won't get them more TV revenue, um, in football especially. So, I don't know. I, I do think more competition might benefit them during the regular season. And I do think that the people kind of yawn at their undefeated record given who they have to play uh, during conference play, but... Without a football team, it's unlikely any other conference will, will accept them if they if they try to move. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. I think the football is a huge part of it. It's what broke up the Big East. You know, no conference rides solely on basketball anymore. It's got to right. be basketball and football. Right. I mean, even the ACC. You know, adding Notre Dame and Clemson's. You know, uh, rising up. It's you know it, you kind of need that that dual income from from both of those places, dual revenue, and you know ESPN. It, ESPN especially, like all that stuff. Like they don't want to broadcast just football or, or just basketball. You know, when, yeah. you, when TV money comes into it, football is the big revenue driver. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And ESPN, that's a that's a good good natural segue into our next topic, isn't it? It's perfect. Um, I, I, I don't even know where to start on this, but we'll explain the backstory. Paul Pierce, Celtics legend. He might even be like top five after this. My top five is... Uh, no particular order. Russell, Bird, Havlicek, McHale. I don't really know who my fifth is now that I think about it. Yeah. Um, but Paul Pierce, easily top be. ten Celtic, and maybe now a top five Celtic, Yeah. posted a, uh, a racy Instagram story, to mm-hmm. say the least. I don't know how much we can go into detail on the radio about it. Yeah, I would say he's he's a man of the arts, and he had... Um, um, uh, hired some dancers to perform for his friends um, and himself, obviously, and he was, um, you know, in, engaging in some, you know, legal recreational um, uh, substances. Um, but yeah, so we posted this short, pretty short, like Instagram Live. Yeah, it wasn't the brightest idea. No, I'm, I'm not even. Yeah, um, not even just the brightest. Idea. It was just not a great idea. Period. Just a yeah. terrible idea, honestly. Let's let's be real here. Yeah, and then I remember I don't know if you saw, but the next day at like five o'clock at night he tweeted Good Morning World or something. And <laughs> so it got bad. like a hundred thousand likes or something. So bad. But yeah, long Did, story short, he's he was fired from ESPN. Well fired from Disney too, when you think yeah. about it. They're a very family oriented company. ESPN's yeah. one thing, but Disney is very, very family oriented. Yeah. Um, I don't know if have you heard all those stories about uh 
like all the child actors on Disney Channel, like what they're not allowed to do and no. all that stuff. It's crazy. I mean, you wonder why so many of these like child actors and actresses that go are on like Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, why they just kind of like go on a, a crazy streak in their late teenage years. It's because they're like very restrictive over what they can say, what they can post, what they can do, where they can go, all that stuff. So when this Paul Pierce is no different, you know, the, yeah. Disney is very forward facing, family friendly company. They were not going to cut it, and they fired him. And it's it'll be interesting. It's almost like free agency for him. Yeah. Because you have Fox Sports, which is where every ex ESPN person has ended up. You got Skip and Shannon over there. Mm-hmm. You got Chris Broussard over there. I'm trying to think who else is on Fox Sports. There's got to be one or two other people. Um, they lost Emmanuel. What's his last name? Uh, Acho. Acho. Yeah, he was ESPN and then went to, to Fox Sports. Yeah. They lost Tom Rinaldi to Fox Sports. Yeah, it's so, Colin Coward on. Colin Coward is on Fox Sports. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they that's where all the ex ESPN talent ends up going. Yeah. Um, TNT, I'm sure, is going to be in the running for him to add him to their NBA crew. Yeah. He would be great. Although I I don't know how much chemistry he would add. Yeah. I think people discount his takes a lot, and uh, he's such a Celtics homer that it's just hard to take him seriously on certain things. Yeah. Um, the the dark horse is Barstool though, right? Barstool is a big dark horse because money is certainly not an issue for them. Yeah. They did it with Deion Sanders, brought him in, and it basically was just like a stepping stone. He like he could grow his influence gain like a, a solid following base and then move on to his next job. I think mm-hmm. he still contributes every now and then to Barstool. Yeah. But really that was just an intermediary between him leaving the NFL network and him taking his next coaching job. Right. So if, if Paul Pierce wants to go that route, I think he could easily do it. I would love to have him unfiltered. And I would love to have him, you know, just <laughs> yeah. talking about whatever. Because Barstool, of course, it's not aired on TV. So they don't have the FCC rules or anything like that. Yeah. Dictating what they can say and, and so on and so forth. But I think Fox Sports is, is going to be an interesting player. And if Paul Pierce ends up going to Fox Sports, they have cemented themselves as just like the new kind of ESPN. Because they picked off a lot of people recently. Yeah. You know, Tom Rinaldi was a big get for, for Fox Sports yeah. to pull him away from ESPN. And it's gotten to the point where it's not just the people fired from ESPN. They're like outbidding ESPN on these people's contracts, pulling away some huge TV talent. This could be big for them, honestly, especially with their their NBA coverage. Him and Chris Broussard and Skip Bayless, and yeah, what else? No, absolutely. And I mean, Paul Pierce's his you know profile is even raised by this incident. You know, getting 100%. fired from ESPN is hundred percent. That's a big deal. It's a story. Yeah, um, I definitely would prefer. I think him at Barstool would be awesome, um, just because of the Boston connection that Barstool yeah, has coming exactly. from Boston, he would be great there. Um, and like you said, just kind of free reign on stuff. Um, the only thing that's kind of crazy, I didn't even know this, I would have guessed it was much lower, but his ESPN salary, I heard, was $1.5 million a year, which obviously I think he made almost $200 million in his playing career. So it's, wow. you know, um, it's it's not really, you know, significant for him, but it's still a lot of money and it could be a, you know, hindrance for someone like Barstool who, you know, like you said, they're spending a ton of money there, you know, in the stock market now. So they're, you know, they have, they have piles of money to spend, but, um, Still a significant salary to pay for a guy who um, is a little bit more, even at Disney, at ESPN, he was a little bit like more of the clown in the studio next to like Chauncey Billups, Jalen yeah. Rose. Um, so I don't know. But, I mean, we're going to be closely following this Paul Pierce Paul Pierce news. Paul, I don't know if, I don't know if we cool, can meet. The free agency type environment that it's created. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I was just going to say, I don't know if we can meet your salary, Paul, if you're listening. Um 
But, you know, if you're willing to take a pay cut, we'd love to have you on Gotta Take This. We can, so. we can pool some money, set up a little GoFundMe. Yeah, yeah GoFundMe, get Paul Pierce. Awesome. Yeah, that would be have sick. Him just chilling in Lexington with us. That would yeah. be a great time. That, yeah, so, yeah. I got a couch. I got a spare couch if he needs it. Yeah, the phone line's open, Paul. I mean, make yeah, <laughs> the ball's in your court, all right? <laughs> I got, yeah, I'll provide food. He's got a couch to sleep on. We've got we got all the amenities here in, in Lexington. The Absolutely. city that never sleeps. Absolutely, the city that never sleeps. Exactly. exactly. I mean, it's like New York, but it's like the Southern New York is what people tend to call it. Yeah, Lex Vegas, baby. Lex Vegas. People yeah. love it. People yeah. love it. Well, Paul, please, please make the call. <laughs> I'm not gonna give out my phone number on air, but you know where to go. <laughs> um, but let's segue into our next. We're gonna move away from basketball while we have some time and go into the NFL draft. We haven't talked about the NFL in a minute, I guess, since our. First episode of the semester where we recap the Super Bowl and, and TB12 and um, Tom Brady's diet's looking good, bro. You're you're looking really trim these days. Thank you. Yeah. All um, those avocados. Yeah, yeah. All the avocado tequilas really doing work. Yeah. So that's well, well let's great. let's do a little mock draft action because there's been a lot of jumping around. I just was scrolling through Twitter um, about two minutes ago and saw that the Falcons are looking into trading their number four pick. The Dolphins and the 49ers obviously had a, a huge swap. Yeah. Um, with in terms of draft picks and the Jets trading Sam Darnold to the uh, the Carolina Panthers, which I guess all but solidifies that they are taking a QB at number two. It's going to be an interesting draft. It's crazy how many pieces are starting to fall into place uh, within a matter of like two weeks. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And even like before the draft, a lot of people were saying, you know, these big you know trades, teams moving from three to six or you know tw- three to twelve or you know moving around like the Dolphins did and like you know other teams. Um, it's really more of a draft day thing. Yes. That kind of stuff happens. Um, and it just solidifies, like, people talk about, you know, the Niners moving up to number three almost guarantees they're taking a quarterback um, yes. just because no one really moves up in the draft unless it's to take a quarterback in the first round. Let me clarify. 100%. Um, but, yeah, so even though the draft, I believe it starts on the 29th of April, um, goes through the 1st of May for the last rounds, we were just thinking about doing a little quick, you know, Top 10, maybe top 15, because that's where the Patriots are, number 15. Um, but I hope they trade up. We'll talk about that in a second. But just a quick, you know, go through the top 10, give our quick takes on guys and who, who's going to be picked where. A um, little preemptive, just because the, the draft is starting early this year. We'll start early with our coverage of it. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll, we'll start with pick number one. I think it's all but obvious, or all but guaranteed that Trevor Lawrence is going number one. Absolutely. I mean, having the Jags already basically said it on Twitter, didn't mm-hmm. they, like, at him or something, or mention it i, I think oh, they, I made, they they did something that kind of subtly indicated that that's where they were going to do and i think that's okay. what the world expects them to do but number two uh with the new york jets zach wilson out of byu his pro day was very impressive yeah and i'm glad that the jets came to their senses and are not going to take a offensive tackle with that number two pick yeah or wide receiver or yeah something. exactly yeah i think zach wilson you know um he's a little undersized and i know that the only game that i watched him in this year was their Coastal Carolina game. I don't know if you saw that. It was that was an electric game. That yeah. was insane. But I was just, I remember at the time thinking like, Zach Wilson, if he's all that, he's got to win this game, and they lost. So mm-hmm. I was a little down on him. But then I really, I watched a lot of tape on him, and his arm is like electric. It's insane. It's, the throws that he can make are incredible. Um, and, you know, just getting him with NFL caliber receivers, it's going to be, he can make the throws that they need. Um, you know, the Jets... Um, I don't even really know what their receiving core looks like, but yeah. I don't think it even matters that much. I was, I, think, say, I was I was glad at the, his pro day he did some some throwing on the run because yeah. he's going to be doing a lot of scrambling. Absolutely, that, that Jets offensive line. He's going to need a, to make a lot of quick decisions. Yeah, for sure. And you know, like Sam Darnold, I 
I like him a lot. He's still young. Um, he, just, he got a bad deal, honestly. No rookie QB should have to play in New York uh, with, honestly, the way both teams are with either team, but especially the Jets. Yeah. No team, no no rookie should ever have to be subject to that because it just kills it kills your career. You know, it's just a terrible place to start. Not a lot of mentorship, not a lot of structure. Yeah. No really, no real culture at all. You you know, you're cycling through a head coach every three years or so. Yeah. Yeah. I, it will be interesting to see how he does in, in Carolina for sure. Yeah, but I'm I'm rooting for him. But yeah, just a nice to get a re- reset for him and for the Jets. So that that looks like they're likely pick at number two. At number three, now this is where it starts to get kind of um, no one really knows what's going to happen because the Niners traded up. They say that Jimmy Garoppolo is their quarterback. However, like we said, you know, trading up to number three almost always means you're going to select a quarterback. Um, and the buzz right now is that they love Mac Jones. Which is hilarious because, first off, they already said that they Jimmy Garoppolo is their guy going forward. But I really – why is Justin Fields not their pick here? I think Mac Jones is very overrated. Like yeah. I was saying um, in, I guess, last show, two shows ago – Mac Jones, you know, you got other QBs out there treading water. And Justin Fields, I mean, playing in the title game with a with broken ribs. Yeah. Mac Jones is out there with, with his floaties on. And his yeah. floaties are... Just playing catch. Exactly. I mean, he's literally just, you know, everyone else is treading water. And his floaties are Bama's loaded offense. Yeah. The amount of options he had and playing under Nick Saban. There's a reason that Alabama QBs notoriously haven't done well in the NFL. And I really think it is that they can't play and they can't compete at that same level without that sort of core around them, yeah. receiving core especially. Yeah. Like Devontae Smith, he, he will not be playing with anyone like Devontae Smith on the 49ers. Yeah, no. And I don't know. Like, Mac Jones didn't have a great pro day. Um, I don't know. We'll talk more about Justin Fields in a second. But, I mean, if I'm the Niners, I would much rather take Fields or Trey Lance. Trey I really Lance, like yes. both of them. You know, I think if I'm grading my, my top quarterbacks, you know, I would even put Trey personally – I would put Trey Lance at number two behind Trevor Lawrence, who's just kind of the default number one no matter what. Um, I really like Trey Lance. Um, there's been a lot of buzz. So let's just say, you know, just to – let's just say that the Niners do take Mac Jones at number three, which it seems like they're signaling they're going to do, apparently. Shanahan loves them and all. Um, at number four, the Falcons, there's a lot of chatter about them trading down from this pick. Um, they could get a haul for it. Um and obviously one team who's being talked about is the Patriots, um, a team who needs a quarterback of the future. Mm-hmm. In a quarterback-rich draft like this, you know, if they like Lance or if they like Fields and they're available at four, the Patriots have a lot of draft capital this year. They have the 15th pick, which is their highest in almost 10 years. Yes. Um, they've got, you know, Stephon Gilmore, who, you know, is still an all-pro player. Um They've got, um, you know, their uh, the receiver, and now I'm forgetting his name, Nikhil Harry, mm-hmm. who was their first-round pick, you know, a few years ago and has not really panned out, but he's had a lot of injuries. He's got a lot of talent. Um, and they have, they've got the most uh, compens- compensatory, c- compens- compensating picks yes. for players leaving. You know, they got 100%. a third-rounder for yeah. Brady. So they've got a ton of draft capital to move up, and I could see a deal like this happening. You know, the Falcons have a new coach, Arthur Smith. They still have Matt Ryan. They still have Julio Jones. They might be thinking, look, let's move down. Let's get some players. Let's get more guys a little bit later. And let's, you know, try and, you know, make a little noise in the NFC South now that Breeze is out as well. They can yes. snag a wild card spot. Exactly. There's just kind of a power vacuum there. Yeah. And, and you got to think they're, they're trying to plan ahead for the future, too, though, with, with keeping that number four pick. 
That's Matt true. Ryan's getting up there. That's you know, true. Drew Brees recently retired. Yeah. Brady's getting up there. You know, there are a lot of guys. To say the least, Brady's getting up there. Yeah. I mean, how old? How old is Matt Ryan? I, mean, uh, I need to look this up. I want to say 37, 38, maybe. Yeah, he is. He's thirty-five. I mean, that's that's oh, up there. Okay. And he's been been taking a beating. I mean, it's it's not like he's playing with Brady. Brady would plays with a pretty clean pocket. I yeah. don't know if Matt Ryan's playing with that sort of level of talent on the offensive line. So that's the thing. I, I like the idea of trading in, in a haul, but I feel like that's a little too focused on winning now and not enough on the future. Yeah. You gotta think that Matt Ryan's playing he's got a family. You gotta think he's playing with one foot out the door at least on at this point. Could be. I don't know. It's gonna be very telling what they do with this pick. Yeah. Trading down would signal like Ryan's our guy for the next five years. Uh-huh. Um, you know, taking a quarterback would signal that, you know, much like teams, you know, like the the, the Chargers recently, you know, um they're they're moving on from guys who have not been able to really get it done for them, but are still great all time franchise players. But they're trying to move on. Yeah. Um so yeah, so that, that number four pick's gonna be very interesting to watch. At number five, we've got Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals. And this pick is also very interesting. There are a lot of different guys on the board here. Um, people think maybe a pass catcher, maybe, you know, reunite Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. Um, maybe get Kyle Pitts, who's just a freak of nature. I think he had, like, the longest wingspan in, like, um, you know, uh, it's not the combine, but it's pro day, longest wingspan going into the draft of, like, any guy in a long time. Um, real just freak of nature. There's also talk of them taking the tackle, uh, Panay Sewell, from Oregon, who is just uh, a man-child. He didn't play this year. He opted out of the season, but he's just an incredible prospect. Really, um, you know, shore up that O-line for Burrow moving forward. Um, because also I saw that, you know, the um, the Bengals play a lot of, like, spread offense where they don't have tight ends in um, to help block on passing downs. Um, so that's why, like, the O-line, especially the tackle position, is so valuable. So... But then again, you know, these pass catchers are really, really incredible. Um, and with A.J. Green moving on this season, you know, it, it'll just be interesting to see what they're prioritizing at this number five pick because obviously they're not going to take a quarterback. They could, I mean, in theory, they could trade down um, if maybe, say, they are in love with Jalen Waddle, for example, who probably won't um, won't be picked in the top ten. Um, but, you know, I could see Jamar Chase, could see Kyle Pitts, or I could just see a tackle short yeah. the line. I, I think Kyle Pitts, honestly, is like a once-in-a-generation talent. If we're being honest, he's an animal. I mean, he, he ran a 4.440 yeah. at 6'6", 246 pounds. He has the longest wingspan um, of, uh, of any wide receiver or tight end in the last 20 years. Yeah. Just, genetic, just a genetic freak. I mean, yeah. it's insane. And I think that that... Especially with a, a young QB like Burrow, you need a guy like him who's got the size, got the speed, and can make plays. Yeah, uh, that'll bring a lot of confidence to Burrow's game. But I don't see any reason to pass him up, just given all, just given his pro day period. Yeah, it's insane, and, and especially performing at the level he did in the SEC. Yeah, going up against Bama and, and some other stout defenses. Anyone, anyone who gets pits this year is going to be very happy. I think. One hundred percent. Very just happy. Based off of those numbers alone, it's yeah. insane. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move on to the sixth pick, the Dolphins, who, you know, started number three, traded back to 12, then traded back up again to number six. This is also interesting, you know, depending on if Pitts or Jamar Chase falls here, they could get a weapon for Tua. Um, they could also potentially get, you know, um, the tackle Panay Sewell if they wanted to. Um, I don't really see them trading down just because they already traded back up to this position. Mm-hmm. There's also, you know... Fields and Lance could be on the board here as well. 
That's um, very true. And it could really test their commitment to Tua. I think they should stick with him personally after just one season. Um, yeah, that's not good enough judgment. The same with Jalen Hurts in Philly. I think yeah. both those guys deserve more time. Absolutely. So I'd love to see Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts, kind of depending on which one you know they pass on, or or you know again the uh, Sewell, the tackle. Really, those three guys I think are going to be the ones that start to go after you know the first three quarterbacks um, or first four quarterbacks. Excuse me. Um, and really, it, at number six, like if they can get any of those three guys, they're going to walk out very happy. That's a victory. 100%. They'll have improved their team immensely. It's almost taking the decision out of their hands a little bit, mm-hmm. where they're like, "We want all these guys. Take whoever you guys want, and we'll take the last guy standing." Yeah. So exactly, it's a great place to be. Strange that they traded up from twelve because they still could have gotten a great player at twelve. But, you know, another place that will be interesting to watch to see if they want to prioritize the line or, you know, the pass catchers, much like the Bengals, you know, to protect their new young quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. So what are you on now? Seventh, eighth pick? So seventh pick, seventh Detroit pick. Lions. Yeah. you think Justin Fields is going to fall all the way to seven? If he falls to seven and the Patriots don't make a move for him, I will be very upset. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. He's uh, gritty. I, I like his play style a lot. I like him too. And he ran, what, a 4-4, 40-yard dash time? Very quick. Very fast. Yeah. Extremely fast. And he's like a pocket passer. He doesn't really run the ball that much. Mm-hmm. So that was surprising. Um, but he would just be an awesome weapon for any team. Like you said, gritty. He's a tough player. You know, he's, he's got a good arm. Um, and the speed is just kind of the icing on the cake where, you know, you can change your offense to fit a guy like that. Exactly. Especially so, with the way I feel like the, the NFL is honestly trending that way yeah, to begin with. Just absolutely. mobile mobile QBs, dual threat. Um, and just having guys that can scramble really whenever they want to, or just blow a play up and take off if they if they see an opening. No, totally. And you know the Lions obviously trading Stafford for Goff. Goff is probably I don't know not if I trust Goff. Yeah. yeah, he's not the long term answer. So they could be in the quarterback market. Um, they also have some other needs. Obviously, you know, again, the tackle, maybe a defender. Um, we haven't really talked about defenders yet, but they'll be coming up. So. That will be interesting to see how committed they are to Goff for the next, you know, few years. Um, he's still relatively young. Um, you know, his contract is not great, but I don't know if the Lions see themselves truly contending while Aaron Rodgers is still in that division. Yeah. Um, so, I don't At know. least not this year. It might, yeah. Maybe if you develop fields and put some more pieces around him over time, maybe. Yeah. But it's not going to be instantaneous. No way. Yeah. But this could also be trade bait. You know, that's going to be valuable, especially if quarterbacks start to slip. So we'll see what happens there. Um, at number eight, we've got the Carolina Panthers. Now with, you know, supposedly, you know, a, a young quarterback, maybe not the answer, maybe the answer, um, and Sam Darnold. Um, so they could, you know, look to make a move at quarterback potentially. I don't think it, we ruled them out. Um, but this seems like a place where, you know, a lot of projections have them going to the O-line. Um, maybe to, you know, Panay Sewell, who we mentioned from Oregon, maybe to Rashawn Slater, who's another just beast from uh, Northwestern. Um, just kind of shore up the team a little bit. Again, I don't really, I don't know what their horizon is, but I don't see them contending. Obviously, Breeze is now out of the division. But Matt Ryan is still there, and obviously Brady and the Bucks are returning all 22 starters. Um, so I don't really think they should consider contending or consider themselves, they should try and contend, obviously, but they shouldn't, you know, be thinking we're going to win the division, we're going to win the Super Bowl. I think they should be building for the future. And an O-line piece would be a good, just a good, I don't know, it's very valuable. I know we don't really like it when teams pick O-linemen high. Especially, yeah, first round. I feel like there's so much offensive and defensive line talent that falls to later rounds or even goes undrafted, and you can pay the bare minimum to get them and yeah. especially keep them around. 
I don't like the idea of wasting a top pick on on someone in the trenches when it it, it should be pretty easy to come by in the later rounds. Yeah, and this is a place you could also go receiver. You know, there's definitely potential for Pitts or Jamar Chase to potentially drop. I would say Pitts is more likely to drop just if teams don't have, you know, uh, don't place a lot of value on a tight end. So that could be interesting. Obviously, Jalen Waddell would likely still be on the board. Devontae Smith likely still on the board. Um, So, yeah, another interesting place for a team who's not really going to be a contender. Um, Not that very quarterback needy, although they don't really have their guy. Um, Yeah, that'll be interesting to me to watch. Another potential trade for a team, you know, again. Trey Lance slips. Justin Fields slips. A lot, of, a lot of trade material, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So, very interesting. Um, at number nine, looking at the Denver Broncos, um, another team, honestly, pretty similar to the last couple where, like, don't really have the long-term answer at quarterback, don't think. I mean, Drew Locke is good. I was about to say, you aren't on the Drew, Lo- Drew Locke train? He's all right. I don't know if he's, like, the long-term guy, though. Yeah, I, I agree. Completely yeah. agree. So another place where, you know, um, could be looking at O-line, could be looking at, you know, one projection has a guy like Queedy Pay from Michigan, just mm-hmm. a great edge rusher. That could be good. Um, you know, uh, Von Miller's, I think, 11 years into the league now. Um, Devontae Smith would likely be on the board here. Jalen Waddle likely on the board. However, you know, they just drafted two receivers last year. That's true. Um, so... I don't know. Another, uh, once again, you know, beating a dead horse. But, you know, if, if quarterbacks start to slip, you could totally see teams like the Patriots um, trying to slide up and, you know, get their guy. And they could really get a, a king's ransom for these picks. 100%. Especially for a team like that that doesn't really have a lot to lose, honestly. They're just trying to build as much as possible. If they can get a haul for that pick, I think that's a, that's a win in the end over just getting one player. Yeah. You know, just get load up on picks for the next couple of years and maybe get a, a mid-tier guy as well. Absolutely. You could definitely, if you if the GM does does what he uh, needs to do, they could definitely get a haul. That's why people were kind of disappointed with the Jets making that Darnold deal because they thought that they could have gotten more from just trading the pick itself rather than trading Darnold separately. Because um, they really only got what, like a couple second round. Pay. It was no, no, nothing significant. No first rounders were being exchanged. Yeah, and I think that they could have gotten a massive haul for that number two pick. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it'll be definitely interesting to see how teams are valuing stuff. Um, with the ten pick, we've got America's team, Dallas Cowboys. Um, obviously hoping to have a big bounce back year with, you know, um, just hope Dak does well. Honestly, yeah. I feel like everyone's kind of rooting for him at this point. No, everyone hates the Cowboys, but yeah, everyone, you know, everyone wants to see an athlete who suffered a pretty, uh, traumatic injury come back and, and play at that same level again. Absolutely. And I mean, last season kind of seeing, you know, that division be won by a seven and nine team, mm-hmm. they're going to be thinking we have the most talented roster in this division. We can cream these guys. And, you know, so I could see them, you know, the Cowboys looking to pick up just like a really solid starter. Um, they're obviously not in the quarterback market, really not in the receiver market either. Um, so even like Kyle Pitts, if he falls this far, I don't even know if they'd be interested in him. Um, you know, definitely thinking defense for them. Um, we just mentioned Quidi Pay. Another guy who's interesting um, is Micah Parsons, the linebacker from Penn State, linebacker U. Um, really great player, led the team in tackles as a freshman, um, you know, as a true freshman. And like has just been a tackling machine, you know, great athlete would be is going to be a really good NFL player by you know all accounts. Um, that could be good, um, but yeah, really not looking at some of the flashier positions for the Cowboys. I think they just want a solid starter. Um, they think they can win their division, so that'll that'll definitely be interesting. 
Well, let's segue um, away from the NFL and let's move to the PGA Tour. We don't talk about golf that often, but arguably the greatest golf tournament there is. My personal favorite, the Masters, is happening this weekend. Yeah. Feels a little different because instead of waiting a year, we've waited since November. Uh, The original Masters of 2020 was postponed because of COVID. Played it in November without fans. Really weird atmosphere. And now we're playing again in April. Apparently the course is even harder than it was Mm. in November when Dustin Johnson won it. But it's a weird field because Tiger is not playing. Obviously, he's still recovering from the car crash. Brooks Kepka is just coming off of knee surgery. You've got Jordan Spieth, who won for the first time last weekend since, I think, 2017 when he won the British Open. It really feels, honestly, wide open. It feels yeah. like there are a lot of people at, at, at play that could make a run. And I know you've got – who do you have your eye on? I, I, like, I like Spieth a lot. Spieth's won this tournament before. Coming back into form, he's obviously got the confidence. But I know that – You've been looking at the odds a little bit too, as well. Yeah, which is always dangerous for me, um, especially as someone who obviously you know I know the big names in golf, but I don't follow it that closely. But I'm I'm really definitely interested in uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, he okay. can hammer the ball. I yeah, mean, he makes courses a lot smaller just based off of his distance off the tee. Yeah, and I don't I don't believe he's won the Masters before. He feels like no. a guy who's been on the rise. Um, it's only going to be a matter of time, most likely. You know, if he keeps up on this track. Um, you know, until he wins one, I could see it being this year. Obviously, DJ um, on paper should and is the favorite, um, just because you know he won it just a few months ago, more exactly. or less. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. You know, if if say he does win it, you know, is that considered a true back to back, or is that kind of like you know? That's one thing I was thinking about too, because yeah. it's so weird calling a guy who won the Masters in November without fans, just so different. And of course. When you're managing a golf course and you're in Georgia, you know, it, November is, is going to feel a lot different than April in terms of the conditions, Absolutely. the weather, yeah. how good of shape the course is in. Apparently, it's it's playing a lot tougher than it did November, at least from what I've read and what players have been talking about in interviews. But I do think that it's wide open. It's weird seeing it without Tiger, you know, it, yeah. it's yeah, especially since he is... I guess a year removed, two years removed now from his last win, which was 2019, the, winning the Masters in 2019. Which yeah. was one of the greatest, honestly, one of my favorite about sports say, moments. That was so incredible. Waking up um, with all my buddies and watching that was incredible. I remember, yeah, I was driving down to spring break in Florida during that. Uh, I, w- I listened to it on the radio. Yeah, it's crazy how, how like it gets everyone involved. I, mean, yeah. I was hanging out with guys on the basketball team and the soccer team and you know all sorts of sports. I've loved golf. I've played it my whole life. But that was the first time I've seen everyone in front of the TV watching golf. Yeah. Normally, it's something you keep on in the background, and the few diehard golf fans, me included, are the ones there sitting <laughs> and actively watching it. But when Tiger's in contention and when he's leading, it's instant viewership for the, for the PGA Tour. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a shame. You know, it's a real bummer. We, we really hope that Tiger can, you know, just make, make a recovery. It would be awesome just to see him golfing, even in you know pro am events. You yes, know, exactly. kind of like that. Uh, the match with Mickelson and Peyton and Tom uh-huh. Brady. You know, that would be very cool. Um, you know, just his his comeback from you know just back surgery and you know personal issues to the win the Masters. Had is insane. Incredible. He, he won the U.S. Open on a broken leg or yeah. his torn ACL, yeah. meniscus, whatever you want to call it. He's had shoulder surgery, leg surgery, back surgery. I, it's. It's insane that he still plays at the level he does, especially, you know, 2019. He's getting up there in terms of age. It's kind of crazy. We've watched his whole growth and development over the years and all the ups and downs. But he is, he will go down as one of the greats, if not the the greatest to, to ever play the game, for sure. No, absolutely, yeah. And just, yeah, wishing him a full recovery, you know. 100%. Just hope he gets back to, you know, 
if anything, golfing with his son. That's yeah, really all exactly. I hope for at this point. I think he's the truth. I think his yeah. son is the real deal. Yeah, I think he could be, be good. Yeah, he, he he looks solid. I don't know if you saw the uh, the father son tournament they played in. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a ringer. He's yeah. he's solid. Yeah. Yeah, Tiger's given us so much. You know, we just exactly. we just uh, you know watched the short you know twenty ten uh, uh, decade wrap up video, and there's so much Tiger and just all the memories that he's given. Exactly. Just hope he can be. It's you know, the, like those were the elite athletes. I'd yeah. say from two thousand to twenty ten, where Phelps, in, in terms of true dominance over their sport, yeah, Phelps, Usain Bolt, Tiger Woods are, are the three that come to mind for me. Absolutely. In terms of just no one being able to, to hold a candle to what they did. Yeah, yeah. So you know, sad this weekend without Tiger, but. You know, still be fun to watch. Um, a lot of guys in contention. Hopefully, it's a competitive field yeah, comes down to the wire. Young guys too. It's yeah. always cool to see, see younger guys win and more American talent out there, and it'll, it'll be interesting. But, yeah. but we'll segue now into NBA basketball. We talked about college at the beginning of the show, but we'll move into our uh, a brief little NBA. I don't even know if you'd consider this NBA. Yeah. But the new Space Jam trailer came out. It's uh, called Space Jam Two. It's starring LeBron James this time instead of Michael Jordan. I don't. It, the the one thing that stuck out to me. First off, the animation is super futuristic, and it's this whole thing. It, it kind of moves away from the the pure Looney Tunes style of, yeah. of the old Space Jam. You know, I remember watching that with my dad. My dad grew up with Looney Tunes, as I'm sure your dad did. Yeah. yeah, it kind of fits. It's kind of a cool feel, you know, like the vintage cartoons and all that stuff. This is like heavy on CGI. Yeah, heavy on turning NBA players into like sci-fi characters like Damien Lord who's like a robot like all these yeah, people yeah Clay Thompson's like the fireman or something exactly it's yeah. not like the old Space Jam where everyone was themselves you know you have Bill Murray yeah. playing Bill Murray you yeah Patrick Ewing playing Patrick Ewing you know everyone was playing themselves which I thought was really really cool and and one thing that was included in the trailer is I guess who's who's making this Warner Brothers is yeah. that who owns all the rights to all this stuff is, is LeBron trying to assemble a super team of <laughs> Warner Brothers characters and I can't tell if he's trying to make a joke about what he's done in the past or if he really just lacks self-awareness to the point where <laughs> like, he thought that, that was a legit plot line. Was, yeah. Let me just assemble the craziest Warner Brothers team ever. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like it's self-aware. I don't know. I can't really tell. I couldn't tell if he was joking or if he was like legitimately trying to make that the plot. Yeah, it also felt a little bit like at least the trailer. Obviously, we haven't seen the movie yet. I think it comes out in like June, maybe July. I'm not sure. Um, but... It felt a little bit like just kind of like a long Warner Brothers commercial. Um, like, you know, LeBron, like he goes into the server realm or something, then he descends to Looney yeah. Tunes world, yeah. and he passes like, you know, Game of Thrones world and these other things, like just properties that like have yeah. nothing to do with, you know, Space Jam or the Looney Tunes. Um, so I don't know. That'll be interesting, you know, how much of it is just kind of a classic blockbuster, you know, and how much of it is really trying to, you know, hone in on the legacy of, Space Jam, which is, you know, just such a classic movie, um, and, you know, was released, I think, you know, while Jordan was still retired. He was still playing mm -hmm. baseball because they dropped him off in the spaceship on the in the outfield, I believe. Yes. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, it'll, fun to watch, you know, fun that LeBron's doing it, um, fun that, you know, Dame Lillard, Anthony Davis, Clay Thompson, Diana Taurasi, um, you know, and other NBA, WNBA players will be in it, um, but I just don't know if it'll hold up, um, you know, it's not like Space Jam is the cinematically best movie of all time, but um, it just hit at a, a cool time with MJ, you know, you know, retired, not playing basketball. Um, and yeah, just cool. Um, had the greats, you know, Larry Bird on the golf course, obviously. Um, so uh, yeah, definitely fun to watch. We're looking forward to it. 
Um, there's probably a movie that's coming out, uh, what, next year that we're looking forward to a little bit more. Is that yeah, right? that's well, one, one last thing before we go into that. Just, oh, you know, going back to the original Space Jam. I feel like it was so more, so much more organic, if that makes I get that they're trying to one-up the previous movie, but just the idea of Jordan getting sucked into the golf course, you know, he's got the, the publicist guy yeah. trying to make him money. Yeah. He's got Muggsy Bogues, all those guys losing, yeah. losing their talent. I don't know. I just thought it was more, it was more gimmicky. It was a lot more like Looney Tunes, where the plot is just supposed to be really, really lighthearted and like, you know, a magnet is dragging Jordan down. And yeah. It, one other thing too is is you gotta think LeBron is is winning this game with some of the greatest Warner Brother characters ever. Jordan won with Bill Murray. Yeah. And I think you know you're looking at the goat debate. I don't know. If, does that change things in your mind? In my mind, I don't know. I, who defeated the Monstars with just Bill Murray? Jordan. That's true. LeBron needed the the giant Iron Giant. Is that what it's called? Yeah. The, uh, the, the big robot. The Iron Giant. Who else did he need? Gandalf wasn't Gandalf. One Gandalf of the was there. There was I mean literally almost every character from yeah. a Warner Brothers movie ever or TV show it apparently comes to watch the game. Exactly. Jordan needed literally the Looney Tunes and Bill, Bill Murray. Murray, who doesn't play defense. Exactly. Which was yeah a big exactly. problem. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Is there like a comedic star in this, like a Bill Murray type character? I, I don't, don't remember. Know. There, there was also one. the uh, what was that guy's name? Um, Wayne Knight, who plays the the bigger the the heavier set guy, the publicist in the Newman space from Seinfeld, gym. right? It's Newman from Seinfeld. Yes, he plays Newman in Seinfeld. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. He's uh, yeah. I know, I'm trying to find a photo of him, but yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, this there's this, a lot of comedic. There's a lot of you know. It's just funny. In this plot, if I, I mean, from the trailer, it seems like someone is playing LeBron's son, and he's upset. Are you sure? Was it LeBron's? Was it actually Bryce? I, I, so no, Bronny is it so wasn't. That's he's the thing I was confused. Son. Yeah, okay. yeah. No, it's the son's name is Dom, I think. Okay. And he like says, you know, uh, Dad, LeBron, I don't want to play basketball, and then they get sent to this world, and he has to save his son, which is significantly darker than Michael Jordan getting sucked down with a giant magnet. Yeah. Um, then he had like through through the hole of a golf yeah a golf course yeah yeah it's significantly darker and like a lot more like deals with some themes of like parenthood and you know yeah. I don't know if it was LeBron's son and one thing that I thought of is I was thinking wow if they cast LeBron's son his NCAA eligibility is toast that's true that's a good that's point. one thing I was thinking is like did LeBron just screw over his own kid yeah like he's not gonna be able to take any money from this if he wants to play any sort of college athletics yeah. later on. Yeah, it's also weird just because we know who LeBron's sons are to see an actor playing them. Yeah, like that is weird. Bronny is like a superstar. He's got millions of followers. Yeah. Um, you know, Bryce is still in middle school, so not as much, but still people know who they are who are LeBron fans. Um, so yeah, weird to see his son play, but definitely just like a more serious, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. Looney, you know, the original um, Space Jam was just like a pretty pure comedy um, yeah, do you remember when Newman got inflated on the on the court? Remember he got flattened? And yeah, they, yeah. They, they pumped him up with the uh, yeah the hose. It was Looney <laughs> Tunes. Yeah, and this feels like I don't know, like a drama, not a drama, but I don't know, like more it's dramatic, really heavy, like sci-fi. I feel yeah, like. and like LeBron and his son, like the tension about basketball, and then the Looney Tunes are also in it. Yeah, and all the other characters from Warner Brothers intellectual property are in it. Yes, and it's not just like. I don't know. Michael Jordan going and playing with cartoons. That's sick. Michael yeah. Jordan, Bill Murray playing with cartoons. That's sick. So cool. Hilarious. Yeah. It's very Looney Tunes. This doesn't feel as Looney Tunes. So we're still going to watch, obviously, but I, I'm uh, more hesitant about this. Than yeah, I, I don't know if I want to watch it just to... I don't want it to ruin the original for me. 
That's fair. Maybe, honestly, maybe I should watch it just so that the original yeah. seems even better that's than what That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and you could reactivate your LeBron hate, too. Exactly. Which could be kind of fun. That's always fun. We totally. love the LeBron hate on the totally. podcast. But like you said, let's talk about another movie that we're excited oh, about. Oh, yeah. I guess it's, is it a movie or is it a series? A series, something like that. A docu-series, documentary about uh, the life of Kanye West it is has just been purchased by Netflix, $30 million. Yeah. Um, they've been following Kanye for 21 years. He is not... He's not doing any production on this or any like creative direction. He just knows it's happening. I, I guess he signed off on it, but he doesn't have a hand in making it. But it's a group that's done a thirty for thirty movie, Benji, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the one of the better thirty for thirty for thirties for sure. Um, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm really yeah. excited. I think this could one just great material for his fan base, but two, that could, this could definitely pull a lot more people into the world of Kanye West that weren't already in there. Absolutely, and I feel like now, especially like with his, you know, his marriage to Kim Kardashian, um, it's the perfect time. You know? Yeah, his, you know, marriage and you know, ongoing divorce with you know Kardashian, um, as well as you know, just he's now uh, spending a lot more time on fashion and his clothes brands and his music. And Christian, yeah, very, yeah, very Christian focus now. Yeah. yeah, and running for president. That's kind of how people are viewing him. Yeah, people are viewing him and. This brings it back 21 years in the past to the guys who did some of his first music videos, uh-huh. and they're gonna you're gonna get that early Kanye like really raw, unfiltered. You're gonna I'm see excited. him before the fame, which I think will be a lot more appealing to people, just because now he's kind of seen as like a rich jerk a little bit. Yeah, um, one of the richest people in America. Actually. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, and six point six billion dollars. Even at, even after the the Taylor Swift stuff. Yes. Like it's just his public image is not the best right now, and just going back to him when he's really working like hard and you know on music, pure music, and he's not a star, yeah. he's not famous, I think that's going to be very appealing to people. So kind of feels like when Jordan conditioned the uh, the last dance during the bronze championship parade in 2016, when is, people were starting to kind of phase him out and think of LeBron as like the greatest because he beat the 73-9 the, the Warriors team, came absolutely. back down 3-1. This is a very similar thing. You yeah. Know, Kanye is... He's getting old. I mean, he's isn't he old? He's at least above forty years old, right? I believe so. You know, yeah. and you've got kind of a new age of rap coming in. You got him focusing less on music and, like you said, more on his other ventures and the mm-hmm. stuff that's really making him money. If you look at a breakdown of his net worth, his music catalog's only worth like ninety million dollars. Wow! But it's his clothing and like the Yeezy brand that's making him billions and billions of dollars a year. Yeah. You know, because that's the crazy thing about music is it's really not that. It really isn't worth that much, and especially yeah. since record labels own most of it too. He probably doesn't own a lot of his own music. Yeah, um, yeah. He's talked about efforts to buy back his own masters, which yeah, you know, Taylor Swift struggled with. I don't even know if he's done that. I don't think so. Yeah, I think that's like impossible. I mean, look at Taylor Swift having to re-record her whole catalog to get the masters to like. Yeah, it's crazy. And Taylor Swift, I mean, is like a big, a, a bigger star than Kanye in the music industry. She just is. Yeah, um, I mean, he's he's yeah he's he's doing his own thing now, but it does seem. Very convenient timing. It's perfect, yeah, you know. Absolutely, this is the perfect time to reinvigorate people and bring people in to his fan base. You know, in yeah. hopes that hopefully he'll put on a new album soon. Lord yeah. knows what, what's going to happen there. And I mean, thinking twenty-one years back from now, that's like two thousand. Such a long story. There's that's, so much to tell from there. There's a lot back a there lot. when he was just making beats, and so many cool stories that you hear from him or about him, where he's like making beats for Jay Z, and then he's trying to rap over them, and he just even as he ascended to like the top of the production world in hip hop, yeah, he kept saying, "I'm a rapper. I'm a rapper." And they were like, "Dude, and relax." Everyone discounted him. Yeah, yeah, you're a superstar producer. That's uh, people would kill for that. He was yeah. like, "No, I'm a rapper." 
And I don't know, it's just a very cool kind of inspiring story of someone just sticking to their dream. And I'm, I'm excited as a fan to see this early footage. Yeah, you know, I think I, it's going to be really cool. And, yeah. and he's, he's mentioned that in a lot of interviews. He, you know, tried to become a, a, a rapper after being a producer and people didn't like it yeah. because of his upbringing. You know, he had a pretty modest upbringing, mm-hmm. you know, growing up in a single parent household. But, you know, he had money. His, his mother was a, a college professor. He went to art school for yeah, college. Yeah, very, very different from how Jay-Z grew up, right. you know. No, totally. And, um, you know, people were hesitant to let him rap because he's already a superstar producer. Yeah. Becomes a rapper, becomes successful, wants to go into fashion. People don't want him going into fashion. You yeah. know, he, he talks a lot about how every move he's made in his career, there, there have been roadblocks because people don't want him to leave what he's got and, and try and take on something too ambitious. But yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see, and I hope. Hope Netflix releases it soon because they've been lacking recently. I don't know if you've noticed, but no, Netflix definitely. has been off their game, and I, I, I get that the pandemic prevented them from filming a lot of stuff and filming their original content. But they've been losing a lot of movies. HBO Max has become my go-to. I don't know if you have HBO, but yeah, it's, HBO it's Max or Prime. I've been liking yes. Prime a lot too. Yeah, those are my go-to now. Yeah, but de- I definitely agree. I've been definitely off the Netflix train after The Office left. That was kind of my exactly. staple yeah. there. Yeah. So no, totally, and yeah, even I even let my Hulu my Hulu expire. Yeah, I let my Disney Plus expire, and I just I was just watching The Simpsons on Disney Plus. Yeah, and so I just went in and like bought a couple seasons that I love on on Amazon, and so I yeah. just watch them on there. So. I just I I'd go back on Disney Plus and watch Star Wars every now and yeah. then. That's what I use it for. Watch that's, like the Clone yeah. Wars or something. Absolutely, that's about it. But I think that's all we have for for, uh, for today's show. Again, our second to last episode, and we will be back here same time, same place. Got to take this on WLUR Lexington. You can find us on anchor.fm slash gotta take this, and Cole will let you do the honors of uh, introducing our uh, fade out song. Well, this was one of my favorite songs ever as a kid because I live in Chicago. Um, it's from Kanye's 2007 graduation album featuring Chris Martin. Classic. It's uh, Homecoming. I hear it coming already. Here it is. This has been Gotta Take This. I'm Crawford Humphreys. He's Cole Heisner. Anchor.fm slash Gotta Take This. And we will see you guys for one last episode next week. See y'all. Shy City. Shy City. I'm coming home again. Do you think about me now and then? Yeah. Do you think about me now and then? Because I'm coming home again. I met this girl when I was three years old. And what I love most, she had so much soul. She said, excuse me, little homie, I know you don't know me, but my name is Wendy and I like to And from that point, I never blow her off. Come from out of town, I like to show her off. They like to act tough, she like to tone them off. And make them straighten up their hat, cause she know they soft. And when I grew up, she showed me how to go. And at nighttime, my face lit up. So I down and I told her, and my heart is where she always be. She never mess with entertainers, cause they always leave. She said it felt like they walked and drove on me. Knew I was gang affiliated, got on TV.